Hey, everybody, I'm Paul Wilkie. And I'm David Oro. And you're listening to The Embargoed, the greatest PR podcast of all time. Damn straight. There's always something to talk about and a point to make. And we're going to do it when we want, which is usually every other week. Whether it's tech, business, sports, music, or your mama, we're going to cover it. All of it comes from the point of view of public relations, reputation, and communications. Today is Thursday, August 25th. 2022 we are just a few days away from burning man starting paul and i'm hoping well i'm not going but my friends are and i'm gonna live through that i don't think you've ever been have you gone i've never been but i have to say one of my my favorite guilty pleasures is every year watching burning man on youtube they've got like the wide shot camera and it looks like a big old ant farm yeah it's pretty cool i i actually I actually was a spokesperson for Burning Man at one point. And the nice. uh, highlight of my career was I was on the ply and was interviewed by, uh, by a local TV station out of Sacramento. And uh, that got picked up. And next thing I know, I'm on CNN. And I'm running nationally as a spokesperson for that. And I thought it was pretty cool. But anyways, that's next week. What's going on in your world, Paul? Well, actually, I think I've got, a, I've got an anecdote to sort of set the table for today before we... Uh... Before we introduce our, our our second guest, I was um, I'm in contract negotiations with a, a potential client in China, and as you know, at the contract negotiation stage, there's a lot of back and forth and uh, a lot of light item stuff. And uh, uh, one of the light items was the was the payment terms, you know, our fee and and you know how much is up front, how much is once we're done. And in the notes comment section, there was there was there was some stuff in there that I don't think they meant for us to see. Uh, and, and one of them, one of the lines was um, uh, the person we were dealing with was sending a note to the lawyer, basically saying, um, "You know, we need to we need to move this along because you know these guys are charging a third of what Element are charging." <laughs> That's a great note to see. And then like, maybe you can go up to half. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so you said we got a guest today and, and Paul, I'm going to let you do the intros this week because uh, this is the guy you found and apparently he's heard our show before and we've been trying to get him on. Uh, and I looked him up and I'm pretty excited about what, what's going to happen today. Yeah, uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna name drop name drop right here. This is Michael Michael Young joining us today, and I'm gonna let him talk to you a little bit about himself. But uh, I've known Mr. Young for oh gosh, oh, going on 15 years now, and this goes back to uh, when I was a client or a potential client. And uh, quick second anecdote of the day: we're only like three minutes in. Um, when I was working for in-house for a company and we were, we put a bid out for agencies and uh, Michael and his agency at the time knocked it out of the park. Great proposal, very much in sync with, with what I was thinking. And unfortunately at the time we were doing agency judging by committee and uh, mm. I only had one vote. I lost the vote and, and I said, Michael, I feel bad. You guys killed it you're the best agency to go with, your team's the best. We are going to find a way to work together again. And I'll be damned, we have found several amazing ways to work together over the years, and not just today. So Mr. Young, I'm gonna hand the mic to you and let you uh, tell us your bona fides. Welcome, Michael awesome. Young, yay. Thank you, great <laughs> to be here, guys. Really, really thrilled to be on the pod today. Thanks so much for having me. And 
And, and, you know, that's the story of my life for all of our lives. Like you were the best agency by far, but we're giving it to someone else, right? (laughs) (laughs) How many times have we heard that? But no, it it was true. Like it was one of those situations where like I knew Paul and I were going to be friends from that day and we have been. And, um, and I think, you know, I, I stayed at that firm for a number of years after that pitch and, when I started my shop, Paul was one of the first people I called and was like, okay, I'm doing it. He's like, yeah, man, come on in. The water's warm. <laughs> in. Um, so yeah, we've collaborated a lot over the years. Uh, but anyway, just uh, by way of background, I'm Michael Young. I'm the founder and CEO of Millwright Holdings. We are a boutique agency holding company. Uh, we have three Agencies in our in our portfolio, Actual, uh, which is a fintech and enterprise tech uh, shop, Warner, which is B two B, and they actually have a big specialization in supply chain and advanced manufacturing. We know how uh, what a big deal that is these days. And then the third one uh, is Bolt PR, um, which is a mostly a consumer shop, but they do a bunch bunch of other things. So three agencies, about 45 people in that group. And um, and then we also um, I, I, we also are investing in new agency startups, which is a whole other thing. But anyway, a, a boutique agency founder and acquirer. And um, yeah, that's it. I have a podcast as well. So talk about purpose, corporate purpose. Nice. That's it. That's me in a nutshell. But but prior to all this, you you did the big agency work at other agencies, et cetera. Yeah. I did. I did. I um I worked at uh well, I started in a in a boutique, a very small boutique in Chicago. I got recruited to Ketchum. Then I got uh I joined another boutique and we sold that to Porter Novelli back in bubble one. And that became the tech arm uh, or part of the tech arm of Porter Novelli Convergence Group. Uh, and then I um, and then I also got recruited at Ketchum and I worked there. Um, and then my last sort of gig before that was the shop that Paul mentioned. Uh, I was here in the Bay Area um, at, at a, a boutique, a large boutique firm called Access and we got acquired by Ketchum. So that was my third tour in Omnicom at that point. You said, I've seen enough of Omnicom. I'm going to make my own Omnicom. And that's that's right. You have three agencies, right? You're either a WPP or you're an Omnicom. And for those that don't know, those are basically large um, uh, companies that hold uh, marketing services companies and PR is one of those. Yeah. Michael, I, I, I have to pause here and we're going to digress a little bit because this is the embargo and we punched stodgy PR in the face. I actually heard your name many months ago with our previous host, Kevin Wolf. Bless his heart. Poor one for that homie. Mm. And uh, he, Paul reaches out. He's like, hey, you got to get this guy, Michael Young on it. He's heard your show and he loves what you guys, because Kevin and I, he said he loves what you guys are saying and talking about. Because Kevin and I, when we first started the show, it was deep, I called it deep into the pandemic. Let's talk about it. And Kevin has this disdain for large agencies and all the things that go with that. And I wanted to know, what what did you hear? What did you talk about? Because we kind of let loose on those things. And uh, I don't know what you, what attracted you to actually being on this whole thing. I think if you work in this business on, yeah. on the agency side in particular and set aside client side who hires agencies, right? Like that's, 
you know, I'm sure you're going to be talking to a lot of people who do that for a living as well. But I think on the inside, I think fundamentally, and and this is a daily conversation at our at our company today, is this is a people business. And it it matters the kind of, and this is a vastly overused word, but it matters on the kind of culture that you have. And my experience, and you know, there may be other people who have different experiences, but my experience is there's a huge gap in big agencies between what they say their culture is and what they want it to be seen as and what it and the lived experience of the people who work there. And ultimately what that does is that that and it, it it's a crazy a crazy word to apply but it destroys the agency of the people in the agency, right? So if you work in a big firm, what you really have is no agency. You have no capacity to change anything. You have no, you know, what you are is really, you are enslaved to a utilization model, a spreadsheet, uh, a profit promise. And, you know, those, and the and the hold codes are calling down every day, every week, every every hour sometimes for financial updates because they've got to make a, you know, they're trying to make their number. And so when you're enslaved to a number rather than your colleagues and your team and your client outcomes, you're actually serving the wrong master. And I think that, you know, I heard some of that coming out when you guys were, we're talking and and it and it's something we talk about every day all the time in our business is if if we want to have a kind of organization that people want to be a part of yes we're a business and yes we make money but what we don't have to do is ultimately stress people out and in you know in 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 the good old days uh terrorize them with layoffs and um you know, utilization goals that were totally unrealistic. I mean, I I was expected to bill. I joined uh, uh, one of those agencies as a vice president. I was expected to bill 200 hours a month. There were people on my teams and in on client engagements that I worked with that were billing 220, 240 hours a month, billable. Wow. There's a 160 hours in a month on a normal work. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You do the math. That's, do math. Coming, at, that's coming at the expense of somebody. And so, so Michael, my, my question, one of the things that, that we love about Millwright and what you're doing is you're sort of bringing that small agency uh, magic to an organization that's, that's larger than mine and larger than what David's doing. How do you straddle that line? How do you keep that small agency mm. man? magic while you grow or while you're growing and while you're, while you, you know, ramping things up. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that, that's, that is the big question, right? Is, and I think part of it too, Paul, is that we have, we keep the brand separate. So we haven't homogenized them into a something, something and partners, right? So we're not trying to make everybody the same. I think what we, we try to focus on is, team and talent first. And we know that from that clients follow. Um, and great client work comes from people who are enjoy their jobs, they're relaxed, they're 
Um, they, they understand what's expected of them. And, and ultimately, keeping that spirit alive, that team spirit is something that we, we focus on a lot. And yeah, we want to be bigger and we want to grow and we want to um, acquire more agencies, certainly. But we, we are very um, passionate uh, about preserving what's great about these agencies and the culture of those agencies. So it's a, you know, it, it, it's a challenge, but I think what we try, and, it, and look, it's not that hard to do it right. You just have to have your priorities in order, your principles and your values align so that you're not saying one thing and doing another. The old fashioned word for that was integrity, right? You do what you say you're going to do for your people and for your clients and and things tend to work out. And that's that's really what we try to focus on is collapsing the say-do ratio. We should, we should make integrity a modern word so that way people can still use it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring it back. Rolling it out the door in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mike, Michael, so on your agencies now, I, I, some of them started pre-pandemic or? Oh, or yeah. Yeah. All have, right. you, have you shifted it at all in any way in terms of working? Is everybody remote now? Did you just throw away the expensive offices and, and kind of gone remote? Yes. The only agent. Uh, so Bolt, Bolt had offices when we acquired them and they've since become a work from home, you know, fully remote environment. Um Nobody wants to go back to the office, by the way. I mean, I think there are many reasons to get together, but that's different than commuting an hour or two a day. Warner, interestingly, we acquired that firm. That was a 20-year-old firm that was almost remote uh, work from home from its inception. And uh, actual agency uh, was remote from day one, not out of virtue, but out of poverty, right? We didn't have money for an office, so we just worked remotely before that was a thing. So when the pandemic hit, largely it was another day at the office for us. Yeah. You know, one of, one of my favorite terms coming out of the pandemic and being a consultant for a long time, I've been working from home. I was, when I started this, I said, I just need a, a um, phone line and internet. I'm good. I'll take care of the rest. Right. Yeah. One of the things that I came back as people started doing this work from home thing the line that I heard and I still use today and I kind of repeat it wherever I go, the office is the new offsite, meaning work from home, do your work. And then when you need to get together, go to the office <laughs> and have like an offsite meeting, pizza party, you know, powwow, brainstorm, uh, cultural event, whatever you need to do. I, and I'm hoping that finds a way. But I heard this morning outside of the Bay Area, San Francisco, where obviously a lot of us have a lot of experience. Uh, like Cincinnati, Ohio today, I heard was busier than it was pre-pandemic in the downtown core. Like there's a lot of people have gone back. People in tech mm. have not. One of the things I'm seeing, at least with, with our client base, you know, pre-pandemic, I would say 75% of our clients were either predominantly in the Bay Area or or Bay Area based. And it, 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 it it's flipped, I would say maybe. 10, 20% of our clients are, are one way or the other in the Bay Area. So one of the things we talk about here often is big agency versus small agency. Um, Michael, I'd love your take on what you're seeing in, you know, with, with larger agencies today, ones you're competing with, ones we're competing with. Mm -hmm. 
well, whether it's pre-COVID versus post-COVID or just general dynamics, are, are there any trends that you're seeing that, that have kind of got, got under your collar? Mm, sure. The, I, I, I think the pandemic did, well, I, I thought for a while that, that the pandemic leveled the playing field in, in favor of smaller agencies. And then somebody actually pointed out, you know what? No, it actually tipped the scale in our favor. And I think if you go back to fundamentals, first principles, what is it the clients value? They value senior teams who are dedicated, who are working on their business day in and day out. And what did Zoom do? It made that visible. Who's working on your business yeah. right now, right? It's literally here. So, it, and it, it also threw out the, um, the lofty veneer of big offices. And those are, those can be spectacular. I mean, the office that uh, I first moved into for Ketchum was one of those uh, mega, mega, mega Omnicom build outs that had a view of Lake Michigan and downtown Chicago. And it was a real, it was a real heart stopper. And you bring clients into that boardroom and they're like, wow. Well, now when nobody has that, Right. Or is it that's not the that's no longer um, the part of the client experience. What the client experience then becomes about is who are the people working on my business? Who are the people getting it done for me? And that's where, I, again, I think boutiques have a an inherent advantage and where the pandemic made that advantage much more visible to clients. So that's one thing we tend in many, many cases, in many places you know, see the work from, see it back to work from home for a second, our uh, remote work, you know, we see that there are a lot of agencies back to, you know, big PR that are just waiting for things to go back to the way they were. They don't have another playbook or they're trying to make the least worst decisions about that policy. And I do think as, as, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll caveat that by saying there are challenges to work from home, but I think what 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 the pandemic has done has allowed agents, smaller or mid-sized agencies, to compete at a level and in a way that they were not able to compete before. That, that's a fantastic insight, Michael. Because I, I I just thought about that, and I remember my early days when I worked at Fleischman Hillard San Francisco, uh, second in market, five ninety five market. Go up to the 26th floor, and at the time, south of Market was not built out. And you open it, you walk in, walk in the elevator, and it's just a view of the South Bay and all of that. It's just amazing. And you're like, wow, feel of yeah. importance. And we would drag clients in there for that view. Oh, and we yeah. would stack up client, you know, we would stack up the office with everybody that was some key people on the account, senior people on the account, and a bunch of people that just looked like a body that would possibly be on the account, but they were never on the account mm. just to show the strong team. And we'd sit around in a room, have the view and everybody, we'd, you know, do the song and dance for the client. Uh, and then we would have the meetings there, et cetera. But then I, I, and this is what we've said in the show in the past, what the senior people are on to new business, trying to bring in more money for the firm. But now you're stuck on zoom and every call, let's take attendance. Who's in class today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The guy I hired is not on here. Where is he? What is he doing? Um, and you have to be there. Uh, and that that veneer, you're right. It, the veneer of um, 
supremacy, for lack of a better word, is gone, giving the edge to boutiques. Because not only do you not have to have this expensive office place to look like you're big, bad, and bold, but you have you can hire senior people anywhere or really good people That's anywhere right. and work from anywhere. And you get the advantage of having the right folks because you don't necessarily need them in San Francisco all the time. They could be in Austin or Cincinnati or Memphis, wherever they may be. Question to both you guys. So does that mean COVID was the great equalizer for agencies, big and small? If we look at it from that mm -hmm. looking glass, does that mean going forward that we're looking at it's the skills, it's the work that matters, or are larger agencies going to come up with something, you know, whatever the 2023, 2024 version of the big office and the dog and pony show? What are what are what does what does the next five years look like? Big big versus small agency. Yeah, I mean, I, I look. I don't think by any stretch the the bigs are down for the count, right? They have resources. They've got you know way more money than we have. Any of us have. Uh, they've got talent. They there are talented people working there, no doubt. Um, but you know, I I I do think, and I. You know, and this, I mean, this could be me smoking my own press releases here, but, you know, I, I think there's a, there, there, there's, there's a difference in work today than there's, there's ever been. And I don't, I, and, and I, I, what I want to caveat about work from home and, and this relates, Paul, is that it is challenging to, to bring in staff and mentor them and coach them remotely. No question about it. And where, where I think bigger firms have an advantage is they could bring in a cohort of folks and put them into any, any number of onboarding or trainings or just team collaboration environments. Like there's an environmental aspect of this business that is very important. And I don't want to, I don't want us to, I don't want you to think I'm just a, a champion of work from home and nobody ever has to meet in person. We've all, we've all had clients that we've never met. Uh, we've had staff members we've never met, but I do think, and, and to your, to your question and your comment, Paul, that where the bigs will potentially show up and show out is a place and a platform for early and mid career people mm -hmm. to get skills, get training, get, you know, you get a couple of those, you know, platinum agencies on your resume. That's great, right? But I'm not sure that's where people are going to make their careers in the long term. And what I what I fundamentally believe about the majors is that they have squandered a crisis, right? And what do we tell people, the clients, don't waste a crisis. They've squandered it. They're waiting for the world to go back to the way it was. And I'm not sure they've got a new 2.0, 3.0 instance of what the agency will be, but their, their inherent advantage is they have infrastructure, they have smart people, they have money, and, and they have business that they want to keep, protect, and grow. Um, and you know, I think they're going to put everything they've got behind that. And I, I do think there'll be some other kind of experiential move made at the, uh, you know, for the bigs that we're not going to be able to make at a, at a boutique. 
let's stop praising them. But where, where are the big guys <laughs> stumbling these days? <laughs> That's right. Well, I think, look, it's, it's where they always fall down, right? It's, it's, it's what we were talking about a minute ago, where they, they actually suck the life out of their people, right? That's the real problem. And we have a, a client that, that sells software to professional services firms, including agencies. Interestingly enough, and, and not you know, law firms, consulting firms, any professional services firm, just did a study, just did a survey. Um, there's a huge body of people in large organizations that are looking out either their, you know, their home office window or the office window and seeing friends and colleagues go out on their own, become consultants pre-post pandemic. And the grass is looking pretty green. Right. So the more that the big agencies do what they always do, which is bear down on their human capital and sweat them like commercial assets, the more they will hemorrhage talent. Full stop. It is it, it used to be much harder to pick people off from big agencies. It's gotten a lot easier. And, and big agencies are just doing it to themselves. They just do it to themselves. Michael, as you're uh, in your role as a holding company, and I'm mm -hmm. sure you're going to expand that portfolio to hundreds in two years or so, and however you need to do it, mm. are you seeing a proliferation? I mean, like, it's a low barrier to entry, right? Yeah. It doesn't take cost too much to get in here. Uh, and have you seen a proliferation of startup agencies? Yeah, well, I've invested in five agencies this year. Okay. Brand new, right out of the gate. My um, uh, With a colleague and friend, uh, Tilo Bono from Berlin, he and I have stood up five brand new clean sheet agencies, uh, two, in, uh, two in the UK, two in France, and now one in uh, Jakarta. And um, we're doing it for exactly this reason, which is one of the, one of our thesis is we want to free talent from the constraints of whatever it is they were doing. Not all of the folks, not all of the founders that we've got come out of big agencies. In fact, a bunch, most of them come out of midsize. And by midsize, I mean, you know, 100 to 200 people, not thousands, right? Not, but even at that level, there's a desire to start an agency and to build an agency. See and what we're what we're giving them is help. So yes, there are lower barriers to entry. Um, it doesn't cost a lot to um, to start an agency. I started mine in a tent in my garage, right? But what what the difference is, and I think where we where both Millwright and then our 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 sister investment vehicle MXP Ventures come in is we can take away a lot of the back office, a lot of the pain, a lot of the misery that comes with growing an agency. And, and truthfully, that's, that's what we see as our role, is helping them grow, not looking to just extract some imperial tribute from uh, our, our portfolios, but rather to give them the information and the and the financial support they need and the talent on the systems to grow.
When you are evaluating these investments and agencies, what are you looking for? I think we're looking for somebody that wants to build a $5 million business, um, you know, over some period of time and, 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 you know, maybe has the, uh, the, the, the desire, but I think, you know, more than the business model, um, and it doesn't just hinge on money. It, it hinges on the people. Yeah. We're, we're literally betting on the jockey, not the horse. And, you know, a few people ask us, so, okay, so you're going to, you know, you're going to go by, by specialization and you're going to have a lot of different, spe- no, we're going to find the people we want to work with for the next 10 years. That's, that's our thesis is there's a lot of talent and we want to find the people we want to work with for the next 10 or more years, maybe 20 years. So. All right. So this year has changed considerably over the last decade. We were in a growth mm. mode uh, and now it's sort of we keep fearing this recession or this slowdown. What are the market indicators you're seeing out there uh, for the communications professional? Well, I think we're we're still on track for a you know pretty good year. I'm going to knock wood in a moment here, but um, but I think you know I, I think we've seen a slowdown in new business pipeline. I think we've seen a slowdown in, in um, things converting on the new business side. Uh, to some, in some instances and cases, we've seen clients not doing the next new program or the thing that uh, they thought they were going to do. Um, but at the same time, and it's 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 very choppy, right? There are some industries that are doing incredibly well, others that are a little more cautious. Um, but yeah, we've had some turnover, some transitions, some slowdowns, um, things like that. But I think overall, um, my sense of this, you know, I, I'm not an economist and I'm no way in, uh, implying that I know anything other than what, you know, I can read on, read in Bloomberg or the Wall Street Journal. But, you know, it, it, it does, yes, inflation is an issue. But if you look at other factors like job market, uh, if you look at travel bookings, if you look at retail sales, these are all strong indicators that, there's still consumer confidence out there, and they, that may be lagging, but you know, I I travel. I mean, we all travel, and wherever I go, it is packed. It's busy. I you can't get into a restaurant. There's nowhere to park. The airports are full. So yeah, there may there are there are some. I, I do think there are some macroeconomic things that we need to be concerned about. But I think it it all come. There's a lot of business. I mean, if, if you know, you're watching this and you're at a small firm or you're an independent, there's a lot of business out there that is not being well serviced at big firms. Just focus on that. Yeah, right? that that that's where we see, you know, bad years are where we see our strongest growth because the value back to what we were talking about before, the value for money that you get, the, the performance, the unit economics whatever you want to call it, that you get out of a small firm or a mid-sized firm or, you know, a power boutique, even up to a couple hundred is going to be vastly bigger and better than a large agency. And so I think, you know, again, yeah, there's concern, but there's always, there are always clients out there that are being, that are are being disenfranchised by their agency. I want to share your same sentiment on what I'm seeing in the market. And not and I, I see it not necessarily from the agency world, but from the client world, meaning my clients have slowed down hiring 
but they haven't slowed down their income because they're waiting to see what happens. This is almost a recession of fear rather than a recession of reality. And um, it may get there, you know, like you said, Michael, I'm not an economist, but I keep looking around and people are still doing their things. And yes, stuff is expensive, but particularly here in America, we seem to be humming along. I'm sure there's lots of people that are not feeling it, but the job market's there. I, I think clients have just sort of paused. Everybody's just paused right now. And like, I can almost attribute it to summer break. Everybody went on summer. Let's mm. see what happens this fall. Hopefully things pick up and people have indicators that, you know what? Whatever we were afraid of is not so bad. Let's begin to invest again. But I, I like what you said, Michael. Um, real estate investors talk about, you know, there's housing's too expensive. Uh, or this property is too expensive. Well, go buy the one that is need of help and is really run down, fix it, and then you make your money. Okay. Same approach could be said to going after these agencies who are servicing clients really badly, and you can do it. And like I used to have this, used to say to clients, and sometimes I still say it, uh, you know, I do everything a big agency does, but at half the cost. Right, you know, and yeah. according to Paul's letter, he does it at one third of the cost <laughs> from what we talked about earlier today. But like, I, I think if you find those right opportunities, there's plenty of opportunities out there to, uh, plenty of work out there to actually find some work for yourselves. Yeah, and I think the other thing, and, and, and Michael, I'm curious if you're seeing this too, especially because your your expansion is mostly international. Mm-hmm. You know the. The, the, the sort of the pause that we're seeing and feeling feels very American centric. You know, I've been getting more international business right. of late and sort of filling in the gaps from the from sort of the the longer tail of the the biz dev chain. Yeah, well, look, I mean, you've been there, Paul. the The traffic in Jakarta is oppressive, right? People are hustling. It is booming. There is so Singapore is popping. You know, there is so much other work out there and so many other places to look for growth and expansion. And you're right. It is, you know, it it's it's sort of, you know, we kind of get into this bubble here where, you know, we're just thinking about the US. And look, Europe's got its problems, right? There's a war in Europe. Um, China's making all kinds of you know, weird noises and things are things are strange, but overall. Just to the you know to the maybe somewhat trained or untrained observer, it looks like things are moving forward in a positive way. And I come back to if we can survive March, April, May, June of 2020, yeah, we can survive anything. And we have, we have, right? So I I sort of have no fear now of what the future might hold because that was the most terrifying time in my. I mean, I, 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 you know, we, you know, I lived through, you know, 9-11 and, and the dot-com bust and, and 2008, just like we all have. And those were weird. Those were scary. But, you know, 2020 was at another level. And I think, you know, if we've survived that, we have nothing to worry about. Just keep our, keep focused on your clients and your people. Everything is going to be okay. And with that, I think, that's a positive note to take us out of here. Unless Paul, that's you have a plane, boys. That's yeah. a great place to end. 
So, um, Michael, before we go, we want to not just thank you for being here today, but is there anything we didn't cover that you, you want to throw out there to the world? No, I think we got it all. We got it all going on. Guys, thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you for being here. And, and for always, thank you for tuning in today, folks. It's great seeing you on the embargo, and we'll catch you again down the road.